our faith. He has shown us how faith and suffering work together. Amen. Because the question was asked in my spiritual mind, well, how can I be walking in faith and still be suffering at the same time? Well, God gave us an answer for that in this faith series. He also showed us what it meant to have him restore to us the things and the years that the locusts had eaten. And last week, he clarified for us what faith and prosperity look like when they're operating together. So this morning in this last sermon in the series, we're going to be looking at faith and praying through. Faith and praying through. Now I'm sure that some astute person is saying, Pastor, what does that mean? I know what it means to have faith because God tells us in his word that without faith it's impossible to to please God. I know what it means to have faith because God tells us faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So I, I know what faith means and I also know what prayer means. But I'm not quite sure what you mean when you say faith and praying through. Well, God told me I had to take you back to some basics with praying so that you will understand what it means to pray through. So we're going to look at some basic scriptures for a minute. And I know it's things that you already know. And that's fine because sometimes we need to hear what we already know again. So I ask you to turn in your Bibles to John 16. And this is going to be a call and response uh, uh, sermon today, as much as the Lord makes it. But John 16, 23 to 24, okay, God tells us, does everybody have it? John 16, 23, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father, In my name, he will give it. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. What is God telling us about prayer in this scripture text? What is God telling us about prayer in this scripture text? Whatever you ask in his name, Yes, but it's not quite exactly what he's, he's a little bit more. What is God telling us in this scripture text? What you said is correct, but you, you got to look at it. Okay, what is he telling us in this scripture text? First thing he's telling us in this scripture text about prayer is that we got to pray to the Father in the name of the Son. He said, before you have asked nothing in my name, Because you didn't know what it meant to pray. You remember when the disciples came to uh, uh, Jesus in Matthew 6 and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because they didn't know how to pray because all the prayer was done by the priests. 
So God, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is letting them know that no longer do they have to go to a priest to have a priest pray for them, but they can go to God and pray for themselves. But God has a format on how he does things. And when God is explicit about something, then that means you should do what he says. Notice it starts off by saying, verily, verily, I say unto you. And verily, verily can be translated truly, truly, or, you know, either one. But anytime God says a word twice, that means listen up. Because what I'm getting ready to say to you is very important. So the first thing that you need to know about prayer, and this is talking about structured prayer. It's not talking about like if you're getting ready to run into the side of a car or something and you yell out, Jesus, help me or something like that. No, this is talking about that structured prayer time that you have with God. And God says, when you come to him, you don't come to him, Lord Jesus, help me do X, Y, Z. You come to him praying to the Father in the name of the Son. Now, why do you come in the name of the Son? Now, I'm not going to ask you that because I don't want to prolong the sermon, but you come in the name of the Son because it is only through what Jesus did at Calvary that you and I have the right to approach an all-holy God. Amen. We got to come in the name of the one who, who purchased the right for us to come before God. Amen. Amen? Amen. So the first thing, if you're going to learn about praying and praying through, the first thing you need to know is you got to pray to the Father in the name of the Son. Now turn to 1 John. This is the epistle. We just was in the uh, gospel. 1 John 5, verse 14. 1 John 5, verse 14. When you have it, Speak to me, Lord. First John 5, that's the epistle of John. We have 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. This is 1 John 5, verse 14. I'm sorry, verse 14. 988. You want to learn, if you're going to learn how to pray through, then you got to know how to pray. Okay, and I've taught you this stuff before, so none of this is new, but I need to bring it back to your attention in order to get the point across that God wants us to get. You have it. Speak to me, Lord. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. What does God teach us about prayer in this scripture? There's three, technically four, but it's three things that he tells us about how we should pray in this scripture text. What is it that God is telling us? If you want to learn to pray and pray through, God is giving you a step-by-step example here of how to pray. What is he saying? We can have confidence. Not we can have, but we got to what? Come with confidence. I thought you said we can have confidence. Oh, yeah. God says when you come to God in prayer, you got to come in confidence. God tells us to come what? Boldly, 
to the throne of grace. So Jesus has already told us that we can come to the Father in the name of the Son, and he says, whatever we ask, that will, that's what we're going to have. So if we know that we can come in the name of Jesus, then we don't have to come all meek and mild and shaken in our boots, and all, we can approach the throne of God boldly. Why is it important to uh, approach the uh, throne of God boldly? Or with confidence. To know that my God can do anything. Yeah. Yeah, I want you to stick to the text. Okay, I want you to stick to the text. Yes, we know that our God can do anything. But why is it important for us to come boldly? Because God says that when we pray according to his will, based on his word, then we're praying in faith. We're praying according to his will. Always stick to the scripture. Okay. okay. Pray according to his will based on his word. Then you're praying in faith. So if you're praying in faith, that means you know that God is going to answer you before you even go and ask him. Okay. Do you see that? I need you to get that from your head to your heart because we have so many things that we're praying for and all this other kind of stuff and God is going to take you to the part of praying through. But these are the things that you got to do when you're praying. It says, approach the throne of God with confidence. Mm -hmm. Not on oh, some oh, weak, unworthy sinner and, you know, Lord God, I'm begging you to do. God said, come with confidence. Praying according to his will. How do we know we're praying according to his will, Gail? We know we're praying according to his will when we pray according to his word. Amen. You don't ever have to ask or doubt, is this God's will? Because as long as you're praying according to his word, you know that you're praying according to his will. We're talking about winding up or ending up this section on faith. Okay, God says that we what we pray for when we pray based according to his will and his word, God says we have what we, do you notice that word have? Do you notice that it is what tense? What tense? Present tense. It doesn't say will have and it doesn't say uh, you had in the past, but God said right now. So what is that telling you? That it's already done. That is already done. Praying in faith, y'all. This is what you got to get from your head to your heart. This is how we pray. Okay. I preached all of this before. We did a sermon not too long ago about believing and receiving. When we started this series off with, with faith, uh, uh, we started off with faith was the key to the, no, yes, a prayer is the key to the kingdom and faith unlocks the door. Amen. We started that off with the first sermon and we're ending it with the same thing. You got to go to God, believing, receiving. God said, when you believe, you'll receive. Amen. When you believe, you'll receive. Now, I, I, I know that there's somebody that's going to be under the side of my voice. It said, Pastor, I understand what you said, what you're saying. But be believing and I, what I'm praying for is not always immediately manifested mm -hmm. in my life. So 
I, I still don't understand what you mean by faith and praying through. And in order to get you to understand that, I'm going to ask you to make sure you follow me very closely now and turn in your Bibles to where, Lord, where do I want them to turn? I want them to turn to Daniel, I do believe. Yes, Daniel, the 10th chapter, the 10th verse. Okay. I need you to, un we're starting with 10. I need you to understand that after you have prayed, okay, let me do it the way God wants it. After you've approached the throne of God and you're praying to the Father in the name of the Son, when you've come to God in confidence, mm -hmm. confidence, when you come to God believing that God is going to receive and hear what you have to say, when you come to God praying and asking God based on his word, when you come to God doing all the things that God has listed here that you're supposed to do, and then when you finish praying, God says you believe and you receive, and you say, wait a minute, Pastor, I did all of this, and I'm believing and I'm receiving, but the answer has not yet been manifested. Mm -hmm. Then what happens? You start to doubt. The thing is, when you start to doubt, you should not doubt as far as not believing that what God said is true. But when you start to doubt, you're saying, Lord, I don't understand. So what I need you to do is to give me clarification. Mm -hmm. Help me to understand. You told me if I did these things, if I did these things, that the answer would be mine. Why is it that I don't see the answer manifested? Daniel 10, verse 10, we'll start there. Then behold, a hand touched me and set me, set me unsteadily on my hands and knees. This is the angel coming to Daniel. So he said to me, O Daniel, you highly regarded and greatly beloved man. Understand the words that I'm about to say to you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. And while he was saying this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, watch this. Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard and I've come in response to your word. What is the angel telling Daniel here in this that I just read? Do not be afraid, Daniel, blah, blah, blah. What is good? There's, there are thank you, three things that the angel is telling Daniel here. What are the three things that the angel, let me give you a little background. God had shown Daniel a vision. Those of us that are in Wednesday class, we know this scripture, but God had showed Daniel a vision and showed him some things that were going to happen in the future. Daniel went into a fast, okay, a three-week fast, okay, and he was praying and asking God to allow him to understand what it was that God was talking about in this vision that God had sent to him. A three-week fast, okay? At the end of the 21 days of fasting, God sent the angel Gabriel, okay? Because Gabriel is the angel that is a messenger to Daniel. What did they, uh, Daniel, Gabriel, thank you, Lord. What did Gabriel tell Daniel in this verse? He's hardly a Pardon him? He's hardly a No, oh, oh. 
where it says, do not be afraid, Daniel. Where it says, do not be afraid. There are three things that he tells him. I want you to look at the scriptures. Don't just, you know, drop the top of your head. You got to look at the scriptures. Get your Bible. Then he, um, from the first time he, he uh, don't, don't lose it. The uh, first what? The first day that he uh, had it in his mind. Okay, he, stop right there. The first day that he uttered the prayer to Almighty God. Now it's 21 days later. God said the first day you prayed. But not only did you pray, what did you what did it say that Daniel did? He humbled himself before Almighty God. He set his heart on understanding what God wanted him to know and not what he wanted to know. So when you're praying to God, God says here, on the very first day when you pray and you humble yourself and you're saying to God, Lord God, I'm asking you for you to show me what direction. I want you to show me the answer. I want you to answer. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. Answer what it is that I've asked you. God said, I sent you the answer the first day. Look at the next paragraph. Start with verse 13. <coughs> Okay, no. He says, the humbling yourself before God, your words were heard. Mm -hmm. Your prayer was heard the first day. Mm -hmm. The first day you prayed for Michael's healing. The first day you prayed for Desiree's healing. The first day you prayed for your marriage. The first day you prayed for peace. The first day you prayed for prosperity. Whatever it is that you stood in. God said, I heard you the first time. I heard you the first day. You don't have to keep asking me the same thing over and you can thank me for the answer. Do you understand? Always bringing it back to my remembrance, but you don't have to keep asking because I heard you the first time. Okay, look at verse 13. But the, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia was standing in opposition to me for 21 days. That's a three weeks fast. This is Angel Gabriel speaking. I want you to know the prince of the kingdom of Persia was demonic forces that were assigned to hover over or to uh, instigate things in ancient Persia. In the same way that I believe today that a demonic force has been assigned to the city of Baltimore, Maryland. That's why this sermon is prayerfully going to help you. But that's what the prince of Persia was. It was not a person. It is the demonic forces that were assigned to attack the people of ancient Persia. So these demonic forces, okay, he said, was standing in opposition against Gabriel as he's trying to bring the answer through. Some of the answers that you have to pray for are not just between feelings with people, but some of the answers have got to come straight from the throne of God. Yeah. And they've got to come down through the different heavenlies and all this other kind of stuff. The, uh, the second heaven where the demonic forces are and so on and so forth. It says, then behold, Michael, Michael is the what? The war angel. Yeah. Gabriel could not handle it in his own strength. Gabriel was not strong enough by himself 
even though he was an angel of Almighty God, to combat these demonic spirits and to do away with them. So God saw what was going on and God said, okay, Michael, go in. I need you to go in. I need you to kick those demons' butts. I need you to make an open opening in the atmosphere, an opening, listen to me, an opening in the atmosphere there so Gabriel can get through to take that message to Daniel. Do you see that? Do you see that? Okay. Um, he says, behold, Michael, one of the chief angels came to help me for I had been left there with the king of Persia, the demonic forces. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision is in regards for days to come. My brothers and sisters in Christ, what is the message that God wants you to hear? God wants you to hear first and foremost, two things. Okay, the first thing he wants you to hear, Shadira, is that a delay is not necessarily a denial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. 21 days. That's the Daniel fast. If you want to ever read about the Daniel fast, it's in Daniel 10, where he said he ate no pleasant food and he didn't drink any wine or, or anything like that. The Daniel fast, he only ate enough to sustain himself. Okay, this is what he did for 21 days in order to get the answer from the spiritual realm to the physical realm. When you pray, God answered, when it when you pray to the Father yeah. in the name of the Son, yeah. when you pray to God uh, 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 with his will and his uh, way foremost in your heart, when you pray to God humbling yourself, wanting things to be done the way that God wants to be, you can believe that God is not going to go back on his word. The answer is yours. But you have got to use your faith yeah. to bring that answer from the spiritual realm into the physical realm. That is praying and praying through. God said, I already sent the answer, but it's held up. It's held up in the heavenly realms and by demonic forces. My brothers and sisters in Christ, God says, will you pray and pray in believing faith? That means that you don't stop right there. You got to pray your way through. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? If he already did it, what do I have to do now? Then turn in your Bibles. I'm almost finished. It's got three scriptures. Matthew 10, verse 1. Luke 10, 10, verse 19. And Ephesians 1, verse 22 to 23. Matthew 10, verse 1. We'll start with, and I'll just ask you little questions in here, and I'm going to let you go on home. But... This is so important, and and I I know why God made it the last sermon in the series, but this is just so important for you to understand that when you pray and you finish praying and get off your knees, you can't. If the answer doesn't immediately manifest itself, if the answer doesn't immediately manifest itself, then it's being hung up in the spiritual realm because God does not go back on his word. Amen. Amen. God does not go back on Matthew 10, 1. God is speak to me, Lord. He, talking about Jesus, called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. 
What does God tell us here is our right as believers? What does God tell us in this verse is our right as believers? That we can drive out impure spirits. We have the authority, authority, authority. That's the word you got to get in your heart and your mind. Okay, you're not driving out evil spirits in your power. You're, it is God's authority, all right, to drive out evil spirits and to do what else? To heal every sickness, every disease, and every sickness. This is what God says. This is what God says, okay? So now we're talking about praying through. We done prayed. The answer hasn't been manifested. Now let's see what we got to do. It says he called his disciples, gave them authority to drive out evil spirits, okay? Luke 10, 19. Luke 10, 19. Turn to it. And you're going to put all three of these together prayerfully in your heart and your mind to get your prayers, uh, the answer to your prayer through. Luke 10, 19. You have it? Speak to me, Lord. Uh, page 843. 843. I have given you authority. Again, God's talking about authority. To trample on snakes and scorpions. Snakes and scorpions are aliases of Satan and his demons. Mm -hmm. It's not talking about literal snakes and scorpions. Those are aliases of Satan and his demons. And to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will hurt you. What does God give us in Luke 10, 19 that he did not give us in Matthew 10, 1? power. He says, I give you power over the enemy. I give you power. Now he done already said, I gave you authority to cast them out, right? But he's also saying, I'm giving you power over them. They cannot do you any harm unless I allow them to. Do you understand? God is not going back on this word. He's not going. I want you to see that. You got authority. Stand on, and I, I'll talk, I don't want to go too fast. Ephesians 1, 22 to 23. Ephesians 1, 20, and I want you to put all three of these together when you get home and you're meditating on them and, and you're applying them to your life and all this other kind. Ephesians 1, 22, 23. You got to speak to me, Lord. Somebody gave the page. 947. 947. You got it? Now look at this. And this is going to take some spiritual insight. But you can do it. I have faith in you. And God placed all things under his feet. That's talking about Jesus. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. Okay, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Okay, so it's talking about the body of Christ and the fact that God has put all things under his feet. All right, but it also says that it made Jesus to be the head of the body. We are the body, right? Isn't the church the body? Yeah. Aren't we the body? Yeah. Okay, I need you to understand that. 
He's the head. We are the body. And it says that all things are under his feet. Where do the feet come out of? The feet comes out of the body. So if everything is under his feet, then everything is under our feet. Do you see that? If everything is under his feet, if he is the head of the body, the body is the church, right? The feet come out of the body. The feet doesn't come out of the head. The feet comes out of the body, right? And it says that all things are under his feet. Then that means all things are under our feet. Mm -hmm. Now put all of these things together in your heart and your mind as you are praying and your answer did not get manifest. This means you got to pray through. What does it mean? It means that you've got to take the authority and the power that you have in the name of Jesus, you've got to come up against Satan and his demons. You need to call them out and to cast them out in the name of Jesus. When the answer is not manifested, you have got to, you've got to raise your voice, but not raising your voice for God to hear because God already heard the first day you prayed, but raising your voice, using the authority, the words, didn't God say, if you have faith the size of a, a grain of mustard seed, you can speak yeah. to the mountain? And get, so it's talking about speaking words yeah. of power, speaking words of authority, telling Satan and, he's a, and his demons that he is a liar yeah. and he has no right to come up against you and he cannot steal from you what God has given to you. Amen. That he cannot continue to block your prayers. Yes. You got to cast him out and cast him down in the name of Jesus. Yeah. We got to use the authority that God told. He says, I give you authority. Mm -hmm. How do you exercise the authority? By using God's words. By using God's words. So many times we keep on asking God to act or to do a certain thing. Mm -hmm. And God is saying, and I've done said this, I don't know how many times, I don't know why you keep asking me. I'm waiting for you to call on the authority that I've given to you yeah. or use the authority and the power that I've given to you and for you to get that prayer brought in. Yeah. Do you understand that? Praying through. Yeah. When you've done your part, you've done everything, and the answer isn't manifested, then you have to rebuke. You, you have to say to yourself, okay, I'm getting ready to close. God said the prayer is answered mm -hmm. if I do these things. Isn't that, isn't that what he said? Yeah. He said, you shall have whatever you say. And yeah. He said, believe and receive. Isn't that what he said? So God says the prayer is answered mm -hmm. and Satan tells you this prayer is, is not answered. Mm -hmm. God tells you that prayer answer is yes. Satan tells you the answer is no. Mm -hmm. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? That's why God sent the thing to you. We walk by faith. Not by, who are you going to believe? Yeah. Satan is a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning and he continues to lie. Yeah. Okay, so you have got and I have got to stand on 
what God says in his word. You've got to rebuke and bind the enemy. You got to use your faith to speak to whatever it is. Speak to finances and finances. I need you to, to come in my life. I need for healing to come in my marriage. I need for my children and my, my family to be on one. Speak the word. Speak the word. That's the authority and the there are two things that I've told you this since I've known you and I am going to close that the Satan cannot do anything with the word and he can't do anything with the blood. Yeah. Those are your, and of course, praise and all this other kind of stuff. But those are things he can't do anything, he can't do anything with. So when you pray and the answer has not been manifested and it should be manifested because God suggests Sometimes there's a delay. Mm -hmm. And remember sometimes that a delay is not a denial. Yeah. Okay? Sometimes there is a delay. Mm -hmm. But the delay should not take forever. Amen. The delay should not take. Uh, uh, I think it was Martin Luther King who says, oh, I can't, I know I'm not going to remember it. We hit the uh, United States owes us a black people a paycheck. And I can't remember how it goes. But with promises that were made that were never kept. You know, promises that were made to us and the Indians that were never kept. Okay, but God never makes promises to us that he doesn't keep. We have got to exercise the authority that God is. Pray, we just saw a perfect example of this in our church. When God, uh, uh, we had prayed about a situation and the situation, it looked like the answer was no. And God had already told me the answer was yes. So what did I have to do? Did I just say, well, it, it looks like the end? No, I had to go into the spiritual realm and I started rebuking and binding and casting the spirits out of that situation that was causing it to look like the answer was no. I was praying through. Mm -hmm. I was praying through. Yeah. Do you understand? Praying through the forces that were trying to hinder the answer Amen. from being manifested that God said was yes. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Amen. Father God, I thank you for this series, and I thank you that people will go back and start listening to them from, from the very beginning again. Because, Lord God, there was so much life in these sermons. And, Amen. you know, sometimes we, we, think we, know, we think we know things, and we think we know the answers and so forth, but it's not what we think, Lord God. It's what your word says. Yeah. So, Lord, I just ask you to bless each and every one of us. I ask you to bless those who have been under the sound of my voice and those who will listen to it later. But, Lord God, Lord God help them to see they got to pray through. Yeah. They got to pray through. They can't stop. Yeah. They got to pray through. They got to stand in the authority and the power that God has given to us in the name of Jesus. Yeah. We love you, Lord. In the wonderful name of Jesus, my soul says amen. 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 Everybody in here has already made a confession of faith in Christ, so amen. This is the word of God. This is the word of God. I love the word of God. The word of God will work in my life. But I must study and work the word. Amen and amen. I ask you to turn in your Bibles to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, the 14th chapter. And we're going to start at verse 13 and see where God tells me to end this. 
Luke 14, starting with verse 13. Everybody have it? Anybody have a page number? What is it? 848. 848 in the Red Bibles. 848, Luke the 14th chapter. We're going to start with the 13th verse. Amen? But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just brought a fill, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just brought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servants came back and reported this to his master. The owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, Grow out, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crimple, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ is a guest at the house of one of the Pharisee leaders. While he is there, he heals a man of dropsy. You have to read up a little bit further. He heals a man of, of dropsy. And because this was the Sabbath day, he knew that that would cause a stir among the people. So what he did was he started teaching them concerning what it meant to be a part of the kingdom of God. He tells them that if you're going to be a part of the kingdom of God, the family of God, it should be a normal thing, whether it's on the Sabbath day or any other day, for you to reach out and help those that are poor and help those who are at need. So there was some, one particular man that was sitting at the table, and when he heard Jesus say that, he centered on the last part of what Jesus said. He said, if you help those that are in need, you will be 
you will be blessed. And although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Well, the, when the man at the table heard the words, the resurrection of the righteous, he, he immediately clamped onto that. He immediately clamped onto that and he says, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now, I, I want you to notice we're getting ready to go into another parable of our Lord and, and the Lord has been taking us into parables for the last couple of weeks or so. But I want you to notice the, the, the power of who our Jesus is. Because when the man said that, Jesus knew what was in his heart and what was in his mind. I want you to understand that when the man said, blessed is he who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God, he said it with kind of a, a pompous attitude. He said it as if he was saying, I know I'll be there because I'm a Jew. I know that I'm going to be one of the ones that's going to eat at the at the banquet of the uh, uh, kingdom of God because of who I am and who my family is. So Jesus uses this as the person that I love. He uses this as a teachable moment. He uses this to explain something to the, to the man and to help those that were at the feast to get a better understanding of what the kingdom of God was all about. So he starts to tell them a story. And he tells them there was a king in the NIV, it says a, a certain man, but in the King James Version, it says a king. I, I like the king better. It said there was a king that uh, decided that he was going to have a banquet. And when he decided he was going to have the banquet, he decided to send out engraved invitations. He sent out the engraved in invitations to the, to the elite group, to those who were somebody, the, to those who were part of his entourage. And when he decided to send the invitation out, when they, in the Jewish time, when they would send an invitation out, then a couple weeks later, they would send the final invitation and say, everything is ready. Come on and come. And when he sent the invitation and said, everything is ready, come to the banquet. Those who were invited started to make the lamest excuses. Because I, I want you to think about, we just read it. How or why would someone say, I can't come because I got to go check out a field that I just bought? Well, who buys a field without checking it out first? Then the, the next one says, I, I bought five uh, yokes of ox, oxen and I need to go try them. Who buys yokes of oxen without trying? It's like going and buying a car. You're not going to go and buy a car without trying them out first. And then the other group said, or the other man said, I just got married. So I can't come. What is it about a marriage or the married couple they can't stay in bed forever. How would that prevent them from coming to the banquet? So I want you to see, and God wants you to see, 
that they had the lamest excuses as to why they could not attend. And scripture says that when the servant came back and told the king what their responses was, the king became furious. He became furious and he said, if they don't want to come, I know some people that are more than willing to come and feast at the banquet. So he sent them out to the highways and the byways and the towns and the city. And he said, whoever you can get to come in, bring them in. Because my house has got to be full. Then you say, Pastor, what is the message that Jesus is trying to teach with this parable? Well, in order to understand the message, you got to understand the players in the parable. The king in the parable represents Almighty God. The king in the parable represents God the Father. The ones that was the elite group that the invitation was sent to was the Jewish nation. The people on the highways and the byways that he brought in represent the Gentile nation. And the banquet or the feast represents the messianic banquet that will be held at the end of the world. Is it starting to make a little bit sense? What Jesus is doing here, the first point that God wants you to see from this is that Jesus is trying to show this pompous man who assumed that he was going to be a part of the banquet simply because he was a Jew, simply because he was a heritage. It was his heritage as a Jew. Jesus is trying to show him, you don't understand what it means to be a part of God's chosen people. You don't understand, and the Jewish people as a whole did not completely understand why it is that God referred to them as his chosen people. It was not because he loved them any more than anybody else in the world. It is not because they were more obedient than anybody else in the world. It was not because they were more preferred. God chose them to be an example to the world of what it would be like to live in a close relationship with the maker of the universe. They were to be an example to the world of what it meant to be a people of God. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I got to stop right here for a minute and let you know that this is the same thing that God is trying to get you to understand this morning, that you have been called. You have said you have given your life to Christ. You have said that you have been chosen, that you are a part of the kingdom of God. And God says that what you are supposed to be doing by your life, by what you do, by where you go, by what you wear, by what you think, you are supposed to be showing the world of what it means to live in a world as a child of Almighty God. Not only was he showing them that because they were considered God's chosen people, it was not because they were so much better, but God chose them to be the race 
to be the people that he would bring his son into the world. So brothers and sisters in Christ, you got to get that in your head. You got to get that in your heart because God wants you to understand just the same way that he was trying to get these people to understand that just because God chooses you and gives you a certain gift, just because God blesses you, just because God puts a special anointing on your life, you got to remember that that does not mean that you are any better than anybody else. God was trying to get them to see. God was trying to get them to understand that because they were his chosen people, that sometimes when God chooses you, sometimes when God starts to use you, sometimes when God starts to bless you, you get the mistaken idea that it's all because of you. And you get the mistaken idea or thought that somehow you are better or you are more spiritual than somebody else. Amen. And you have the tendency to start looking at people as lower than who they are simply because God gave you a gift. Amen. And you got to remember that the whole time, whatever the gift is that God has given to you, the gift and the purpose of the gift was to bring God glory and not you. Amen. The gift and the purpose of the gift, the anointing and the purpose of the anointing, the blessing and the purpose of the blessing is not for your honor, your glory, for people to think you're all that in a bag of chips, but it's going to bring about the glory of Almighty God. Amen. That's why when the man said to Jesus, Oh, blessed is the man that will sit at this feast, and he did it with a pompous attitude, that Jesus, I can't let this go. Because this man is thinking that he'll sit at the banquet table because of who he is, not realizing that the only reason he'll be able to sit at the banquet table is because of the one who is now speaking to him. Because of the one who is now ministering to them. You say, Pastor, why did God make such a point of letting them know that choosing them okay, was not only God's choosing them, but it was, thank you, Lord, but it was, it was, come on, Daddy, it was putting a responsibility on them as, as a people. What happened when Jesus said that he sent the invitation and they refused to come? Let me give you a little background. Turn in your Bibles to John, the first chapter, verse 10 through 11. You say, Pastor, what happened? Why is it? I want you to understand that what Jesus is talking about can be explained totally in John 1, verse 10 through 11. You have it, speak to me, Lord. Page number for anybody in need. I couldn't hear you because Michael needs it. 850, Michael, 850. John 1, verse 10 through 11. It's not it? 860. I, I don't have my Bible. 860. Okay, everybody got it? John 1, verse 10 through 11. Now pay attention to this. He, meaning Jesus, was in the world, 
And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. This is the key here. He came to that which was his own, his own people, but his own did not receive him. Do you see what our Lord is talking about in that parable that I'm just telling that we're talking about? This is exactly what Jesus is talking. It's, it's letting you know that Jesus is the creator of the entire universe, that all, the entire trinity uh, operated as one as they created the worlds and the universe and all of that. And it says that he came to his own. Jesus came and presented himself to his own people, but his own people rejected him. Do you see that? His own people rejected rejected him. Brought God wants you to know that this is what happened and God said that one thing that you need to learn from this is sometimes the very people that you think you can depend on are going to be the very ones that turn their back on you. The very people that you think you can depend on are going to be the very people that turn their back on you. Okay, the people that the Father had invited to come made all kind of excuses as why they couldn't come. And this brings us to our second point. And that point is, what excuses are you making? What excuse, did, did you get the invitation? God has been inviting or asking you for years to totally surrender and give your life to him. God has been asking and seeking after you for years. He's been inviting you through sermons, through message, through Bible studies, and whatever. And God says the invitation has not been lost in the mail. So you can't tell God you didn't get the invitation. God said, why haven't you surrendered? What, what, what are the excuses that you are making when God calls you on you to stop living in sin. What are the excuses that you're giving to God? What do you say? I'm too young. Let, let me sow my, my oats while I'm young. And, and then when I get old, I'll, I'll give my life to Christ. Well, what are the excuses that God, you are giving to God when God says, I want you to surrender yourself to him. God says, when I ask you to give your life, what are you saying? You know, I'm too old now. And I know that my life has just been so bad that there's no way in the world that God could possibly forgive me. So I'm just not going to even try now. What are the excuses that you make? God said he wants surrender, total surrender. Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you given him control? God said the invitation has been sent. Stop making excuses about why you're not doing it. Stop making excuses as to why you're holding on to your pet sins. God said to let you know that that's nothing but a lie of the enemy trying to keep you from being able to be used by God in the way that he wants to use you. Amen. They made all kind of stupid excuses. What kind of excuses are you making? You have to answer. If that was your Bible study. Perhaps I'd let you answer. But you have to answer for yourself. How committed have you given your life to God? 
Is serving God something you do by chance or is serving God something you do on purpose? Amen and amen. I want you to notice in this parable that when the servants came back with the answer as to why the people weren't going to come, Scripture says the king got angry. And brothers, sisters in Christ, I want you to understand right now that your responses to God or your lack of response to God causes God anger. We're always talking about the grace of God and, and the goodness of God and all of that is true. But when you continue to reject God's call and touch on your life, it angers God. And you remember that scripture that says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. God got angry that his people, the chosen, the chosen people, the elite group, the one who thought they were all of that, the one who thought that God did not communicate with anybody but them, God got angry because they rejected his invitation. And God says to them in effect, you choose to reject me, so I'll take my invitation from you and I'll give it to some people that are willing. And he gave it to the Gentiles. And for that, I say thank you and praise God. And I need you to know that that was always God's purpose. That was always God's purpose, not only for the Jews to be a part of the family of God, but for all people to be a part of the family of God. Because you remember John 1.12, I'm not going to have you turn to it, but it says, as many as received him, as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the power to become children of God. Remember it just said in John 1, 1 uh, 11 or whatever it was, it said he came to his own and his own received him not, right? He came to the Jewish people, but they didn't receive him, but to as many as received him, talking about anybody else Amen. that would be willing to come in. Amen. Okay, God says, I'm ready. I'm willing. And Jesus is showing them exactly what scriptures means when Jesus said in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. He didn't say, so God just loved the Jewish people. He didn't just say that God so loved the Gentiles. He didn't just say, so God just loved men. He didn't just say that God so loved women. He didn't just say that God just loves black people or God just loves white people. He says, for God so loved the world. Amen. For God so loved the world. So he's letting them know that the kingdom of God is for all people. Amen. Yes. Now look at verse, we're still back in uh, Luke. Go back to Luke, the 14, look at verse 22 to 24. I'm almost finished, but I'm hoping and praying that this message is going to get from your head to your heart. Luke 14, 22 to 24, you have it? Yes. Sir, that servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Mm. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in. That's what it says in my version. 
so that my house will be full. Now look at this one sentence. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Not one of those invited, not one of those that I sent the invitation to that continue to make their lame excuses will take, will get a taste of my banquet. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, I need you to get this from your head to your heart. Because yes, God is an all-loving God. Yes, God is an all-forgiving God. Yes, God is an all-patient God. But there comes a time when his patience will run out. There comes a time when his patience will run out. He says here that none of those who were invited will ever enter into my banquet, will ever enter into the kingdom. This is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus teaching. You say, Pastor, what did Jesus mean by that? Turn to Matthew 21, verse 43. What did Jesus mean by that? And if this doesn't get your attention, I don't think anything in the sermon is going to get your attention. Matthew 21, 43. Amen. Matthew 21, 43. Okay. 803. I need you to see this. You got it? Speak to me, Lord. Look at this. If it was your Bible, I'd tell you to highlight it or to circle it. You need to start bringing your own Bibles sometimes and putting notes in them. It says, therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be what? Taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruits. You see that? I know y'all don't, people don't like these kind of sermons, but they got to be preached sometime. You know, I, I know everybody expected me to come in this morning with all the things that's going on in my family and, you know, talk about the goodness of the Lord and the love of God and how God's going to answer all our prayers and all that. But that's not where God had told me to bring before everything happened in my family. So I couldn't just switch his message because things were happening in my life. Do you understand? It says, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away. Now, there's twofold meaning in this verse. If you take notes, which some people do, there are twofold meaning in this verse. The first is, if you're saved, God is not talking about you losing your salvation. Okay? But what he is saying, if you continue to reject him and not surrender to him as he has called you to, he will take from you what he has given to you and given to some, give it to somebody else. He will take from you the blessings that he had in store for you and give them to someone else. Do you understand that? It's a serious thing to continually reject the call of God on your life. The second part of the meaning of this is if you're not saved, if you're not saved, and you keep refusing God's invitation. 
that means you're going to be eternally lost. Mm. You know, when I think about that, and as a pastor, it breaks my heart. It really and truly does. But I hear people say, send anybody to hell. Well, prayerfully, the scriptures in this text this morning is answering that question. God is sending out the invitation. He sends it over and over and over and over again. But God tells us that it's sometime that people's minds are just turned over to a reprobate mind because they've refused God for so long. That his grace can no longer be applied. Mm -hmm. That's the truth of God's word. Yes, we're in the age of grace. Yes, God wants to bless us. But you've got to remember and realize that you've got a responsibility too. Amen. You've got to respect your responsibility in the beginning. God has all these blessings that he wants to do this, that, and the other. But you've got to repent of your sins and ask God to come into your heart. So you got a part. You got a part in all of this. And then God tells us in his word, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He tells us that. So we have a responsibility of the kind of life that we're supposed to be living. Amen. So when people ask me or say things about God sending people to hell, God doesn't send anyone to hell. God, people choose to reject what God has for them. I want you to look back in your Bible to Matthew that we just looked at, Matthew 21, 43, the latter part of that verse, it says that uh, it will be given to a people who will produce its fruit. And we're back at where God started when he started the series during the parables that he'll take from those that won't accept it and won't do what God has asked him to do and give it to a people, the Gentile people at that time he was talking about that, who will produce fruit. So God is reminding you again that he expects to see some fruit in your life. When he started this series, he started this series off with the sower talking about some would uh, produce 100 crop, some would produce 60, some would, would produce 30. Mm -hmm. But he says there has got to be some fruit. If there is no fruit, there is no salvation. And that is not talking about judging people's heart. God says there's got to be fruit. So the question for you this morning is, are you a fruit bearer? Are you allowing God to produce fruit in your life? Are you allowing God to shape and mold you so that you can be this vessel, this people that live as an example to the world? I, and, and I don't, and there was this lady, and I'm not going to say who she was because I don't want to say how I feel about her, but uh, she's a, um, a prominent uh, TV person, and she was talking about... Um, Oh, she was talking about how, you know, you can't tell the difference today between a believer and a non-believer. If you look at how they dress, you look at where they go, you look at the things they do, you look at the things that come out of their mouth. 
that you would be hard pressed to be able to tell whether a person was a believer or unbeliever. And just like God called the Jewish people to be an example to the world, that's what it was all about, of what it meant to live in fellowship with Almighty God. It's the same way that God calls us to be an example to the world of what it means to live in fellowship with Almighty God. So the last thing that God put on this sermon, it says, yes, he loves you, but there's going to come a time when he says enough is enough. The ball is in your court. Amen? Let us pray. Daddy, I thank you. I hope this message accomplished exactly what you expected or you wanted to accomplish. Because, Lord God, there's so much going on in this. There's this big debate now, and I know some of y'all know it, but um, I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not into secular music, but I, I see things. And it's uh, talking about the last album that Beyonce made. And she's talking about church girls. And some people say, well, she's talking about herself before. And some say she's talking about church girls. You can go to the club and drop it like it's hot. And there is, what is the difference? How are we showing the world that we are different? How are we showing the world? that we serve the one true and living God. Father God, I love you. I praise you. I ask you to touch the hearts and the minds of the people that are here so that your word will shape and govern our life. In the wonderful name of Jesus, my soul says, amen.